1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena.
0: Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt, Boom Boom, Cabana. It's
1: Kyle O'Reilly. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff Jarrett. I'm Rocky Asuka Romero. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk, home of Lou Owen. Support Wrestle Talk. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Lou Owen is. Quote the Raven, nevermore. more. Support WrestleTalk, do it, bro. But you really should support WrestleTalk, and you should follow them and subscribe right
0: now. Ali told me to say this, so I guess it's OK.
1: Support Ali, support Luke, support WrestleTalk. Make sure you watch and listen to WrestleTalk. Or better yet, take just a moment, stop what you're doing, and bask in their glory. Do us all a favor and subscribe.
0: Congratulations, you got here. Now
2: subscribe and support. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. I am Luke Cohen and I'm joined by our fake door, Laurie Blake. On the weekend. On a weekend episode. Weird. That's amazing. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. Good, very good. Very well. It's a bit of an interesting one as well, because we've already recorded the main contents of this episode. Mm-hmm. We recorded it yesterday, Now we're now recording this intro on a Friday, and the outro as well. So I can't quite remember all the
3: things we discussed. No, there was a lot, though. There was a
2: lot of things discussed. There a lot been, of mailbag. Oh, this is a bumper mailbag. That, yeah. we, I decided I want to be out with a mailbag. Because we, <laughs> yeah. like, we were behind by like two or three weeks, because Ollie's like, no, 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 20 yeah.
3: minutes. Oh, yeah. by the way, spoilers for the end of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we managed to yeah, complete we get the through task. We get through the mailbag. We get through
2: it all. Um, so, yeah, so the mailbag now for our Patreon pledge hammers is back open once again. Mm-hmm. So, feel free to get them all in there. Having said that, we do say on the episode that Crap Gimmicks is going to return next week. But I don't know if we're going to be doing a weekend episode next week because it's all out. Yeah. So, I, I think we are. We'll definitely record it on the Friday if we do. But I don't know if we're going to, because Mm. we're going to be at Royal Quest. Oh yeah, and during the day, and then it's all out in the evening doing the live stream. So I don't know if we just it will just get lost because that's the problem when there's a pay per view weekend. The reason why we don't do the uh, episodes and things like that, we do the NXT um, live streams instead. It's because the weekend video just gets lost, yeah, and the weekend podcast just gets lost because no one's everyone's like. What do I care?
3: It's like what do I so care about this
2: much content? I don't care about what you're talking about now. Talk about it all out.
3: yeah, absolutely.
2: So um yeah, so it may be around next week. it may be not that that's a decision we'll make in the week. but however, here is an email. I'm going to show if I can get a name for you. It comes from um Liendro, I'm gonna say Lindro Shimura, which is a cool ass name. yeah. Uh it's a long odd email, so uh get involved. It says Hello Rest Talk lads and the lady. Uh my name is Leandro Shimura. I know you're gonna butcher my name, Luke, and I don't blame you. It's a Greek name and a Japanese surname, so I'll explain how to pronounce it. Okay, so it's like this. Was it Leandro? Leandro? Yes, you're absolutely Leandro. Right. Yeah, Leandro, and then uh Shimura. That
3: was my best Greek accent. yeah Leandro, <laughs>
2: Leandro Shimura. Very good. I've been watching WrestleTalk for two years now, and I've been a pledge hammer for over a year, and I've been meaning to write you guys for a long time. How long, you ask? Since you asked how WrestleTalk brought me back into wrestling. But that's not the story I'm going to tell right now, because I've got better ones. This is going to be a long email, so if you want to cut a few parts, be my guest. First, let's let's get this out of the way. I'm from Brazil, and my grandparents were Japanese and Italian, so I'm kind of weird. I'm a geek, not a nerd, because I ain't smart. I like video games, comics, and wrestling. So I do watch ScreenStalker. I'll even reply to my comment once. Yeah, I know that's a loser's brag, but it's all I got. Um, uh, uh, but also a retired novice MMA fighter, so I'm kind of a big Ooh. guy and scary, according to my friends. I work a very boring and stressful job in an industry of property law firm, and it takes 10 hours of my day away, um, not including transportation, which adds another three. Introductions done, let me get down to business. I've got a Rousseau pay. I took a, va- uh, a vacation and went to New York during WrestleMania week. I'm not a WWE fan, I prefer the Indies, so I went to see the G1 Supercard and I would uh, but got to watch Impact's uh, United We Stand, which had the um a match that I just thought was either going to be the best match ever or a complete train wreck, mm. which was Rob Van Dam and Sabu it was it versus the Lucha Brothers. Oh
3: yeah. Where you're
2: like good lord, RVD and Sabu in this day and
3: age. Yeah. How much do they care? How yeah. high is Rob Van Dam? There's so many. <laughs> How high <things>. is Sabu? <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, oh, he's gonna—he's getting up onto that top rope. Is he gonna fall? I don't know. It's yeah. Sabu. I mean, to be honest, that was a question for Sabu in the '90s. It's yeah. not 2019. <laughs> Um, I also got to see Rev Pro Wrestling Revolvers, Pancakes and Powerbombs, and USA vs. The World. I rented a room in a hotel in front of Madison Square Garden where the G1 would be held. Let me emphasize how important G1 Supercard was for me. I went twice to Japan, but could not watch a New Japan show, because every time I went there, they were in hiatus after a big tournament. Last time, they even came up with a tag team tournament, which ended when I arrived. I'm a huge fan of Japanese wrestling, especially Hiroshi Tanahashi and his wonderful hair. I went to United We Stand, which ended at 1.30am. I got the last train and arrived at our hotel by half past two the following day WrestleCon would begin But I woke up late since I arrived late about 10 arrived home late at about 10 a.m So I rushed to the event when I arrived on the hotel lobby I saw show and yo from Roppongi 3k please note. This is not the Rusev hey I did not want to bother them So I just left On my way to the event on Times Square I saw none other than the rogue general himself bad luck Farley. This is not the Rusev hey yet No pictures once again. Let me clarify. I don't like taking pictures at all especially selfies this will be relevant later on I got to the event and I watched the shows after ref pro ended I went back to the hotel while waiting for an elevator I met my favorite wrestler Hiroshi Tanahashi I couldn't let the chance pass so I screamed Tanahashi-san He was clearly tired. He fought alongside Will Ospreay, uh, which I got a signature, humble brag, against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., which was a fantastic match. Absolutely brilliant match. Uh, But since he's been the face of New Japan for over 20 years, he would never turn down a fan. I asked him for a picture, and he agreed. You can see I never took a selfie in my life because I'm obviously struggling to take the picture. This is not the Rusev hey yet! (sighs) The following day, I watched Pancakes and Powerbombs and went back to the hotel. I had a couple of hours before the G1, so I decided to hunt for a regular PS4. Mine broke a few months prior and I only found out the Pro in the New York stores, which I didn't want, but ended up getting since it was the only one I found. A lot of wonderful, pointless addendums to this story, which I I, I really like. It's a real ramble. Real ramble. I I really enjoy it. Um, Supposedly, there was one at Target a couple of blocks away that had one, so I decided to go there. I pressed the elevator button and waited. The hotel was huge, and it it took about 14 to 16 elevators. Wow. There was about 14 to 16 elevators, and the farthest one arrived. I ran and got inside, and I saw through the corner of my eyes that there were two guys in there. And I just looked and screamed like Ollie, Oh my God, it's Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. So I calmly and respectively panicked. And my brain went, <laughs> Windows blue screen of death. Tanahashi, realizing I was silently panicking, remember, he's the face of New Japan for 20 years, said, Destino. <laughs> a cool guy. Then I realized I was wearing my um, lost... Ingo Bananas d Japan t-shirt, it was the Tekken crossover one, written Destino in the center. Even though they are probably buddies, I mean Tanahashi, Ibushi, and L.I.J. guys, my brain panicked even more and I started to thinking in kayfabe, they're enemies! I nervously smiled and Tanahashi started asking if I was going to the G1. I've been to Japan and I know Japanese people have a hard time speaking English, so in order, in order to avoid him embarrassing himself, that's what I thought, remember, I was panicking, I hastily answered, yes! even before he finished the sentence. And after an eternity that took the elevator to go from the fifth floor to the lobby, the door opened, I bowed to them and wished them luck on their matches. Tanahashi smiled and thanked while Ibushi simply nodded. And as I ran, and he's crossed out here, like a little girl, nope, that's sexist, let's try that again, like Randy Orton avoiding bumps, I'm sure Tanahashi did not recognize me. He's just used to fans panicking around him. Picture it didn't happen, but I just got the previous encounter. And there is our picture of our man here with Tanahashi himself. Aww. What a lovely, lovely chap. Um, I once shared an elevator with um, Kushida. It's about the only elevator story I've got. I and mean, in, in that story, I was also silently panicking and wanted to say something mm. like, hey, good luck with the Super Jacob today. Yeah. But just couldn't form any words.
3: No, and just stood there quietly. Stood
2: there quietly. And then after he got out, I turned to my wife and was like, that was a
3: Kushida. That was Kushida. That was Kushida. Do you think there'll be... Uh, you know, God forbid it happens, but Tanahashi passes away. Oof. Yeah, is there a Treehouse of Horror style thing where he gets someone gets his hair transplanted <laughs> and becomes Tanahashi?
2: Yeah, I like it. Like the, the episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, where Homer
3: gets snake's hair. Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, a parody of the uh, Twilight Zone episode Dead Man's Shoes. Mm. Fun little fact for you there. Um, it's not a great episode, but the Simpsons parody of it is frankly hilarious. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really good. Um, <laughs> it's the line where it's like, where you're going, you're going to see a lot of nuns. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, that was such a long email. I think we may have to bump into the show. So we're going to be talking about NXT versus AEW. Who's going to win the Wednesday night war? Here is the show. Uh,
3: dig, dig, diggity, dick, diggity, dog.
2: Today about the AEW NXT Wednesday Night War, which has been on this card for some time now. Essentially, the the story goes that WWE were waiting for when AEW would announce what day they were on. Because mm-hmm. there were all these rumors that they might be on Tuesday nights because they made uh, Tuesday night Dynamite. They uh, trademarked that last mm-hmm. year when they were, you know, trademarking AEW and all the Wrestling and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was a play
3: thing. to make WWE feel safe.
2: Maybe. Mm. But then it turns out they were going to be on a Wednesday night. So all of these rumors started to fly around. <coughs> Excuse me. That they may go on to FS1 because WWE have got to deal with Fox now for SmackDown. So maybe they'll go on to FS1, be a show there. And Meltzer was reporting that there was going to be a live two-hour show. They were going to completely change, not completely change the format, but they're going to have to stop doing it as a taped thing. They're going to have to do it as a Mm -hmm. live show because that's the only way to compete with AEW. And then over the weekend, last weekend, the game changed Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden, A huge announcement was going to be announced for Raw. And that huge announcement was set to be that uh, NXT is going to be moving to the USA Network, which is the current home of Raw and SmackDown. And it was going to be a two-hour live show, and they were going to make this big announcement on Raw, which they ended up not doing. Mm. Um, Meltzer says, well, they were going to do the announcement, but then just changed their minds. My theory is because they were annoyed that the story leaked early. Yeah, and it took some of the wind out of
3: their sails for that.
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's now uh, they just released a press release and just said, hey... It's going to be on Wednesday night, and it'll be on Thursday nights if you're still one of those network folk, and that's fine. There's no international deals for it thus far. This is only an American thing. Mm -hmm. So if you're one of our American viewers, you will get it on the network the following day. For everyone else, we're still getting it on Wednesdays. Yeah. Which is, you know... That's fine. I know I don't mind too much. And imagine come January, here in the UK, that might change with the BT Sport thing. Yeah, I guess so. They'll probably get it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so it's now official. It's going to be starting two weeks before AEW starts on TNT. And it's going to be live. It's going to be two hours, still taped at full sale. But it is now going to be a head-to-head show.
3: Wow. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a baller move, isn't it? To be like, well, we're just going to go straight head-to-head with you. Yeah, I'm um, uh, cynical as well, cynical. Well, yeah, but that's the
2: WWE. Way, yeah, like yeah. And it's that thing of there's like, a reason why NXT UK yeah. exists, and but it's yeah. not because they want oh, to absolutely. make it UK brand. But even
3: brand. even for the point of like, if you could, like, if you actually wanted to make NXT the third WWE brand and put it on TV, why would you put it on a night like you you could have had the you could have had the same audience as AEW on a different night. And that well, that's would have been it, exactly. Fine. It doesn't have to be... You don't have to crush every competitor. This has Competition, not been done. I, I think the, the, the thing is, like, AEW existing and having their own show could have bolstered WWE's viewing figures across all their programming if they didn't program against AEW. Instead, they're now dividing already a divided audience. And instead they could have got the rub from people watching AEW coming back into the fold, being like, there's other wrestling out there. There's this NXT thing that's actually quite similar to AEW in terms of like the in-ring action. People could watch that, yeah, on USA. But this has not been done.
2: This has not been done to bolster the NXT brand. No, for everything that Triple H can tweet about, this has not been done to make NXT the third brand. This has solely been done to compete against AEW and, crucially, siphon away viewers from their show Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really matter if they win. And this has always been the thing. It doesn't matter if they win the ratings war. The important thing is it's taking viewers away from AEW. Yeah. And the and you know what their theory is quite sound. People recognize the WWE logo. They may not recognize the people on the NXT brand, but they recognize that WWE logo. And if it's advertised as WWE NXT, NXT. then people are going to watch it.
3: Yeah, especially especially if if the rumors are true that like, you know, main roster talent will be used. At least in the early going, in an attempt to bump the viewership and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you start suddenly putting like Becky Lynch's face on things, Seth Rollins, The Undertaker, you know, like start calling in Shawn Michaels to get like you know, Shawn Michaels. I imagine Shawn Michaels is going to start appearing much more. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there there is WWE has a lot of talent to leverage to make this a much bigger deal. One hundred percent. Like AEW is very much banking on the well-known in wrestling circles, and also in music circles like your Jericho's. But then everyone else is kind of like a lesser known quantity than that. Like very famous in wrestling, but not necessarily in mainstream. That's completely it. And I, I think WWE is gonna do, you know, <clears throat> potentially even more like mainstream guests, leverage some of that like they, they've they just got good relationships with a lot of sports teams, they've got good relationships with a lot of musicians, they're just going to chuck everything at the wall for this, I think. I've Surely. got
2: to imagine they're going to be doing yeah. everything they can to try and... I mean, let's not forget when TNA put on a show on a Monday night to go, go directly head-to-head with them, that January 4th show, they brought back Bret Hart. Like that was their hail mary. They were like, "Oh, you're putting on a competition, competing show. Mm-hmm. We're gonna bring Bret Hart back into the company and have uh, him and Shawn Michaels hug in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Don't care if you got Hulk Hogan. Don't care if you got Rob Van Dam. Yeah. We've got Bret Hart back." And all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh my God, Bret Hart's back in <laughs> WWE!" <laughs> yeah.
3: And so everyone watched that show. Yeah, it's a it's a shame. It's a shame that this is what the business is. It's like there there is enough room for both things. Like <sighs> there absolutely yeah. is enough room for both things, and you don't need to. Crush the competition anymore. It's not the nineties. And
2: the other the thing 80s. as well with this is that WWE have decided to put this on the USA Network because it's available. It's in more homes mm-hmm. than both TNT, but crucially FS1. Yeah. And this is very interesting because Fox had been telling their affiliates that their new wrestling show was coming to FS1. Yeah. They'd been told we're going to put it on FS1, and the you know eleventh hour they've changed their minds and put it onto USA instead. So so they must be
3: pissed at WWE, right? Well, I
2: can't can't imagine it's a particularly great relationship at the moment. Uh, Meltzer writes in The Observer, even though this deal is groundbreaking and makes NXT an economical, profitable brand, which it has not been previously, all negotiations were primarily done as a counter to AEW's deal on TNT for 8 to 10 p.m. on Wednesday. Anyone who knows Vince McMahon knew the move would be a counter. The key point, though, is that a lot of people felt that the show will be lower rated on FS1, which is in fewer homes than TNT, which could lose in the ratings something in this case, McMahon couldn't stand for. So yeah. they were like, if
3: AEW pulls better in numbers than we do, I mm. can't have that. So it's got to go in USA, yeah. where we're
2: more likely going to win.
3: And this is apparently what superstars in WWE have been saying as well. Like, uh, I think it was Fightful spoke to a bunch of, Sean Rossap spoke to a bunch of people backstage, and he said that, one of them had told him that uh, they reckon they're going to lose in terms of attendance. Oh yeah, and they're going to have to anyway. I think because AEW's is doing stadiums and they're doing full sale.
2: Yeah, they're doing yeah it's the same as your arenas. Like, I can arena, They're, they're did, doing yeah. like bigger arenas. It's like fourteen thousand seats yeah. or like nine to fourteen thousand seats compared to
3: full sale, which is four hundred people. Exactly, and but they think they're going to win in the ratings. Yeah, like, you know, the, and the, I fully the expect about, them to the as well. The feeling about stages, they're going to win in ratings, but I guess that's the point. Is like that doesn't matter because. The bit you're fighting against isn't, the f- like, AEW was never going to be, at least in the initial point, a goliath of the level that WWE grew to be over many, many years. Oh, yeah. AEW was always going to be an alternative. Like, mm-hmm. it was always going to be something that wrestling fans or people who have a very rich diet of wrestling who like New Japan, who like Ring of Honor, go to as well. Like, it's just another, another string to the bow, one that also has TV time. Yeah. I don't know why WWE's panicking so freaking much about it. Like, they're panicking so much is because they've peed off every single member of their staff. So now that there's actually an alternative, they need to, like... They've mistaken that. It's like, we need to win in the audience terms. It's like, no, you need to win in the sort of just morale terms of people who work for you. Yeah. Because they're the ones that want to leave and go work there. Hey, man, I'm just talking about a
2: morale booster. The word is that they're going to get new contracts. The NXT guys were paid you know, by all accounts, quite poorly. And yeah. actually, a lot of people who have turned down NXT have been very vocal about, you do get paid very poorly to be in NXT because mm-hmm. the idea is you then go to the main roster and that's where you get your new contract. Yeah. Now they're going to be a national TV show. They're getting those main roster
3: contracts. Yeah, you got to so, think... So, like, so that's a good thing. Adam Gargano are going to get... Like, yeah, totally. I think, I, think it's a, I think beyond the nature in which it's been done and the, the kind of the feeling behind the move it's a really good deal for all the nxt guys who have been busting their asses and making the best show and making the best show that wwe does and it's amazing that we're going to see a two-hour live triple h vision of what a wwe product should be yes you know it it, it might be freaking terrible (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But like if it's like NXT and it's like TakeOver, it could be one of the best things on television in terms of wrestling. Like.
0: And
2: we don't know what AEW's weekly product is going to be, but it could end up being that Wednesday nights are like, that's the night you want to be tuning in. Yeah. It is going to be... We, we could almost be in that Monday Night War era where people were flicking between the shows. Like, I'm going to watch a bit of Raw and then I'm going to flick over and watch a bit of Nitro. Because And then you've yep. got your friends saying, like, dude, you've got to f- watch Nitro because Ric Flair's doing this. Yep. And you're like, oh my God, I need to switch the channel. Or I can't change the channel now. Stone Cold's in the ring. And I, I want I to see yeah, this. Yeah. And you're really going to create this this. Amazing split audience. It's gonna be so
3: hard for like uh, live tweeting. Oh like, god, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be impossible. Yeah, we've got website coverage to do. We've got yeah. rambles to do the. following I know, day. I, know, this is, I think this is. I think it's, I just think it's a great deal for NXT to go to USA to be in more homes so for the guys on the brand, the guys and girls on the brand to have better contracts. Like it's great for us as fans it's, to it's see a, great time for a wrestling longer fans. version of the show. No, there's nothing wrong with it at all. No, it's just
2: a very cynical move on WWE's yeah. part. But you know what? I don't mind, really. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, completely cynical and it's a completely Vince McMahon thing to do. But it's great for wrestling fans. Mm. The slight downside to it could be, um, and this has been Meltzer pointed this out in The Observer, which I hadn't really taken into consideration. Currently, this week of TV, on national TV, we've had five hours of content. Yeah. Come October that number is going to be either 9 or 10. Because the rumor is Fox will want to make Smackdown 3 hours. So you're going to get three hours of Raw on a Monday, two hours of AEW on a Wednesday, two hours of NXT on a Wednesday, and three hours of SmackDown on a Friday. Mm-hmm. The worry there is you're going to burn out your wrestling audience, because well, that's almost too much wrestling it, to
3: watch. It, no, it's not even almost too much wrestling <laughs> to watch. It is too much wrestling to yeah. watch. That is, you know, on, and then on a pay-per-view week, yep, when you add got another many- three hours, or seven if it's SummerSlam. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? It... it WWE's already oversaturated its own market with its own product and that is its that is its major problem that's why viewing figures and stuff are dropping is because people just get burnt out and you can't go to every show because it's just it's not affordable for most people and like if you if SmackDown's rolling through the same five towns over and over again on a never-ending tour loop. You're only going to go to one. Like, I, I would probably go to Raw and SmackDown once a year. I mean, they only come here once a year, really. Oh, so. we get twice. Yeah, but once <laughs> but a year but even once then, a year that I remember to know about. I was going to say, even then, I would question going once a year because Raw, yeah. Raw tapings are usually quite boring. Yeah, but, like, three hours of that, two hours of SmackDown, two hours of NXT, then seven hours of a pay-per-view or another three, like that is 15 hours of stuff to watch. And if it wasn't, like we could barely fit it in It's our job to watch it. Yeah. So who has the time in their life regularly around going to work, seeing your friends, doing other things to watch 15 hours of a product to know a story? Yeah, that's it. It's a lot. And it's, you can always argue that during the Monday
2: Night War, there was nine to ten hours there because you had two hours of Raw, two hours of ni- or actually three hours of Nitro before it dropped down to two hours. Mm-hmm. Then you had Smackdown and you had Thunder. But Thunder was a terrible TV show that no one watched. Smackdown was a show that people did watch, but it wasn't doing the numbers that Raw was doing. But And then Nitro essentially collapsed under it. Like WCW folded you yeah. know, because they were just making terrible business, cho- like, you know, terrible, terrible business choice after terrible, terrible business choice and writing you know, mo- mostly mediocre and often terrible TV because they have to split across two mm-hmm. different shows. And WWF at the time was pulling in like eight to nine million viewers, so they could afford to have two different shows because you've got eight to nine million to play with. Currently, we've got two and a
3: half million to play with. Yeah, you know, three million to play with. That's not as many people. No, and I think, that, and, and, and it's the thing of as well. It's like more of these TV deals means that there's less you can do on the WWE network, and it gets a bit harder to keep up and stay up to date. And like the problem we have over here is that Raw and SmackDown are weeks behind and we can't watch them on the network because we can't see them go we out don't, we get them 30 days afterwards yeah, exactly. I we, think the US gets the same way Yeah, yeah. But, but you can't see it go out live no. so we have to do dodgy things to watch it but like <laughs> like it, by Sky yeah, but like, <laughs> which is dodgy but that's just a bunch of stuff that you have to you know there's just all of this drama about trying to see these things and keep up with the story and WWE barely puts anything in their actual YouTube videos to help you keep up and see the actual wrestling product. So, like, even though you're watching the highlights, there's barely any highlight there. it's just a very limited amount of stuff. So you've got mildly abreast of the story. So it's very hard yeah. to it's very hard to get engaged and getting people engaged and watching all the products when you've got fifteen hours worth of stuff is what you desperately need them to do. Surely. Before we finish this up though, let's have this last little bit here
2: from the Observer which uh, Dave Meltzer writes The story going around is that NXT will continue its same path with Triple H in charge and no Vince McMahon or Kevin Dunn. And as long as ratings are good, while it's Vince's company and his direction suggestions will happen, he'll probably be mostly hands off. He hardly has the time now and certainly won't come January with the launch of the XFL. If AEW wins in the ratings, Vince will obviously get more involved and all things are open to change from increased use of main roster stars to moving out of Full sale to more ideas and suggestions and changes. Wrestling and WWE are far more important to USA Network going forward, while for TNT, that's not the case. Whether wrestling goes well or not, they aren't dead because they've got the NBA. Now I wanted to bring this one up because this is a very interesting uh, uh, point to this. Yes, this is a Triple H product Mm -hmm. And no, Vince McMahon isn't going to be involved in it from what we can gather of what's being written around, unless the ratings start to get bad. Then Vince might step in and start making his Vince McMahonisms. The other key to that is USA Network. Yep. USA Network have been demanding WWE make changes this year. And if this show doesn't do well in the ratings, it might not be Vince McMahon demanding things, it might be USA making yep. and demanding things and getting to change. Whereas TNT, as Meltzer points out, if AEW doesn't do well in the ratings or doesn't beat NXT, it doesn't really matter because no. they've got NBA they've got other sports that are still bolstering up their ratings,
3: yeah I, and that's a big thing, like, I think TNT uh, it's a legacy deal for the, like you know it's, a, it's part of their history they want to do it, and it's an yeah. exciting new product, but they've probably got very uh, sensible projections for how many views AEW is going to get really 100% yeah. like you know I don't think they I don't think internally they're thinking like crazy big they're not thinking three million first no way, absolutely no, not no. but but this is the thing so like if Vince says the ratings are going to go poorly they're starting first so they're going to get big ratings week one week mm-hmm. two week three AEW debuts at the exact same time which is appealing to a very big bit of your audience on, an, on a different channel sure but surely that's going to siphon a fair few viewers away just to see what the competition is like on that one night. So you've yeah. got two weeks to really nail the story and keep people on your brand. You've got to have a you've big you got to have show. a big cliffhanger on number you've two. You've got to
2: have a big show for that October. Is it October 4th they start? Yeah. Although that, you know, when AEW launches, there needs to be a big, big NXT yeah, show.
3: Because otherwise, Vince might just look at like, Vince is so... Focused on like immediacy with things, like he turns on a dime in a week or like on an afternoon of raw chucking out all the scripts and getting everything rewritten because he read something somewhere. So, if AEW siphons off some of these viewers in week three, whatever it is that they come out, that might be enough for him to be like, I'm stepping in, exactly. Like, yeah, that's it completely. Uh, dig, dig, diggity, dig, diggity
2: If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon and leave a comment in the community section. I am going to try and get through as many of these because we've still got a backlog of emails, hence why there's no Crap Gimmick Wrestling. Also, Ollie Davis isn't here to kind of crack the whip and be like, no, you can only talk about this for a certain amount of time. <laughs> we're free spirits, baby, so we're going to go for as long as we, I mean, it's quite late here in the office, so... We're recording this on the 3rd. We'll ramble as long as possible. Yeah. Shea writes in and says Have you even thought if the Elite signed in WWE, we could have had the OC versus the Elite with Finn Balor in the OC and Adam Cole on the Elite side? What's your opinion? That would have been cool. That would have been very cool. Uh, Elizabeth Mazora says first of all Supes proud to be part of the four to five percent of female viewers especially since I've been here uh, in the ble era before Luke era whoa Uh, I'd love seeing WrestleTalk grow I love everyone who has joined and I hope that more women support WrestleTalk y'all really did help in making wrestling more accessible to me When I first started watching and you're a big part of why I'm still a wrestling fan As for my actual question is there ever going to be another Dave Meltzer in terms of wrestling news reporting and who is the authority on news and rumors in the wrestling world but i wonder if there will ever be someone after him what do you think uh do you the next person will have to do to avoid repeating some of Meltzer's gaffes when Meltzer is largely credited for creating wrestling news media how does one take over from him thanks for your time everyone at support uh, and screen at restalker screen is dabomb.com and i hope you only continue to grow more and please feel free to roll the r's in my name heart emoticon well randy Datson's not here so i'm not gonna be rolling yeah. any r's uh well the next Dave Meltzer almost well, I mean I was going to say it's Brian Alvarez cuz it feels like he's always been kind of you know positioned to have the mm. baton handed over but True Alvarez feels like he's less interested in writing observer style newsletters
3: Yeah I think I think the thing is the Dave Meltzer of wrestling will always be Dave Meltzer and we are now in a completely different era where potentially it's not necessary to have a Dave Meltzer Uh and I think also there there is a much broader spectrum of people collating and finding and speaking to sources and getting this information from people and putting it out there. There's you know, there's so many other sites doing it. That once Dave stops, really what we've lost is someone like we've just lost someone who is as respected as he is. And exactly. I think that's the thing with Meltzer is like he's been right so often and is so in with so many wrestling companies and wrestlers and promoters and etc that people do take his word as gospel. Even though a lot of stuff that Meltzer says is sometimes his own spin on it and him speculating or out Or he's loud, been fed Duff information. Or he's been fed Duff information. So, they're, you know, he's, he's wrong often as much as he's right. Absolutely. But he's right a lot. Yeah. And he's just saying what he's heard in the spectrum of rumours. Lots of people are doing that. There'll always be room for that. I just don't think people will be as prolific as Meltzer has been because... Man, the guy writes.
2: Yeah, I mean, he and writes, s- and, oh, and writes... And talks. Oh, man, he is a working machine. And I think that's it. When people say, like, who's the next Dave Meltzer, you've got to say, like, it's whoever's got that same work ethic. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at someone like a Sean Ross Sapp. I think mm-hmm. Sapp's got a, a, a you know crazy work ethic for the sort of work that he does. So I think that he's a really, really good dude in this field. But Meltzer's work ethic is, like, he lives, sleeps and breathes wrestling. As mm-hmm. soon as he's woken up, he's watching wrestling. Yep. When he's going before he's going to bed, he's either writing the newsletter or he's doing radio shows or he's watching wrestling. Yep. He watches every single match he can get his hands on because he wants to have the best possible knowledge of it. Yeah
3: it will be absolutely it will be a site that has the Meltzer stamp now it cannot be one person anymore because yeah. Meltzer also came up at a time where there was much less of this in a absolutely in a huge he was, the, he was you know. the first of them you well, know, he's it, doing I mean, it
2: in the yeah. 1970s yeah. when no one else was doing this sort of thing so yeah so he's kind of created this sort of legacy for himself because yeah, he exactly. was the first to do it you know and then Alvarez came along 20 years later and now we've got sort of a new crop of guys that are coming in using Twitter like you know WrestleVotes maybe it could be him whoever WrestleVotes may be um, Dan has says since Defiant uh, has folded it, and Jim Small has announced that he'll leave Progress for NXT UK as well as WWE apparently apparently not allowing their talents to appear on rival streaming services anymore. Anything that isn't ex- uh, WXW Progress OTT or ICW. A lot of people feel uh, feel confirmed in their theory that WWE wants to eliminate the UK indie scene. But then there is talent like hooligan Marcus, uh, Marcus Cool, a wrestler from New Zealand, who argues that WWE offer more money, instant healthcare in the arena, and a fantastic presentation due to the product's uh, quality level. I wonder, where do you stand? Is the UK scene on a decline because of WWE, or is it actually on the up because everything is slowly coming under one roof with better pay and other benefits for the talent? Have a nice day, Dan.
3: So I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive. I don't uh, I believe they coexist in the fact that WWE UK, like... Uh, your man says is very much uh giving talent pay that they need healthcare that they need things that they need training that they need like you know f- flying in the WWE, like people from wwe us to come and train in the performance center in the uk running a performance center and a, and a training school these are all really good things for the uk indie scene but if they're not allowed to then go out and appear on the indie scene, that is bad for the indie scene because WWE NXT UK is not part of the indie scene properly. No, it's not. Properly. No. It is its own thing, very closed off, like WWE is. Yeah, no, completely. And it's...
2: I think the, the way to look at this is to look at how NXT UK was set up initially. I mean, it was done for completely cynical reasons, which we're not going to go into. We've kind of, like, you know, drummed that, door, uh, that horse to death, really. But... It should be noted that when they were signing NXT UK contracts, the idea was you can also still work the indie scenes. And that has just been slowly chipped away and brought back and taken away and taken away and taken away. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to run this show. Oh, actually, no, you're not allowed to work that show anymore. Oh, I've booked this tape. Now you're not allowed to do yeah. that anymore. I'm going to work with this show. Oh, they've got a streaming service. Absolutely not. Unless you can work with one of our guys and it's not tapes. Yeah. And so it's just more and more chipping away to the fact now that they are closed off from the world. It's effectively what Justin Sizem said was going to happen. And everyone said, from NXT UK, I hasten to add, was that he was
3: wrong, and he was completely right. He was right, but the, the, I think this is the thing with it as well. It's like it, it is the problem. Is like it's great for the wrestlers, and you can you can view it from that perspective yep. as much as you like. It is really good for the guys that got signed and the girls that got signed. It's bad for the promotions because how many indie promotions. Are struggling or going under? Defiant close their doors yeah, because exactly. of it, UK. you can't sign the big name draws you can't. that were built up on the UK indie scene in the last five years. That's it. So you like you know, and it's weirdly it's also really great for a crop of new young talent because those shows that are surviving, they're getting pushed into the more mainstream picture, and things like Rev Pro putting young guys Absolutely. from the UK was, up against yeah. up against big names from Japan. That's Frickin' fantastic For those guys But Rev Pro is lucky because it's got that great relationship with New Japan. That's
2: it, the news and the New Japan guys and the names that they've got left to be yes. able to still sell those tickets. Exactly. Because they need to then start being, you know, building up this new crop of talent. Unfortunately for Defiant, they didn't have that luxury. Yeah. They started building storylines around a lot of these guys. They, start, they started a storyline with Ilya Dragunov, and then the next thing they know is like, no, he's not allowed to work for you anymore. Yes. And he got yeah. pulled from all their shows. All the storylines that they had yeah, exactly. got completely taken away.
3: But th- And there's an unfortunate thing as well is that the ecosystem in the U.K., is not as cross pollinated as the American ecosystem where, like, you have territories and stuff like that. In the UK, it's the UK scene, and then you book talent that also flies to Japan and appears there. So, like, the UK scene is lost Will Ospreay to a New Japan contract, but he also just chose to move out there. So, like, even if he can work UK shows, it's very hard to because you've got, flying back, got over. flying back over. So, like, yeah. just the, the sheer distance between us and other places that also do wrestling. <laughs> Is hampering the UK scene.
2: So, yeah, so I think you can look at it from both ways, as you said. But I, I would always look at the idea that it was never supposed to be this way. And it's the same with NXT in 2015. They had plans Samoa Joe, Rhino, and Jushin Thunder Liger, essentially. Those were the three guys that signed non exclusive deals with WWE. That Joe could work NXT, but he could also work in other companies. Same mm-hmm. as Rhino. Jushin Thunder Liger was working for New Japan, but was also going to do more NXT dates. Very, very quickly, it was like, if they're not exclusive, they're not here. Then, and we're not signing them. You know, you're signing exclusive, or you're not doing it at all. Yep. That's the WWE way. Um, Thank you to the American Dad ass uh, Jesse Long, who wrote a very long post about why he's not happy about Hulk Hogan. I won't read the whole thing out because it is very, very long. But thank you for your post. Um, there was no question there either. He essentially at the end of it was like, "Sorry, I just ranted." There's no real question there.
3: <laughs> just always getting this on my chest.
2: Uh, Josh the Lock, not Johnson, says, "Hi, Ollie, Luke, Faker, Pete, Randy, Housemate, Hyman. I was wondering what your thoughts are on Jazzy Gabert. I saw one match on the network with her a while back, and it stuck in my head." She needs some character work, but she has main event written all over her. And um, her strength and look reminds me a lot of China. What are your thoughts on her?
3: She's great. Yeah, she's definitely got like a, a presence that a yeah. lot of other female competitors don't have. It's just the sheer size of her. She's like got that like bodybuilder physique, yeah. dominant power that you know, WWE gives to Nia Jax. Yeah.
2: And if I'm, I remember the story correctly, she took quite a shine to Wally Davis when he, the one time that he did me. her. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, apparently so. Um, Abhiram uh, has got a question here who says, The music for most of the new wrestlers is so bad, in my opinion. From the new crop of talent, only Angel Garza and and Wild have good music. Since heel Io Shirai's music is new too, we'll count that in. But... Has there been any good entrance music produced by WWE in the past year? Out of all the people in the breakout tournament, most of the themes are unlistenable. Literally, I can't hear them. I'm pretty sure it's just a Titantron and no music. What do you guys
3: think? The music is dross. Now, it is, isn't yeah. It? We were talking so, about this in the NXT. We were talking review. about the NXT Ramble, and it's like there's no there's no pop to it. There's no there's no like sting at the beginning to make you sit up and go, "Oh, this guy's coming out." Like people are just cheering because a name comes on the screen. It's like that should never ever be the case. Io Shirai, I think, is the only. Uh, outlier amongst yeah. that in the new crop of like music that's happened it's, but but I think that's because it goes so well with her look to have a slightly more downbeat bit of music. Yeah, but yeah, like we're so past the days of the undisputed era's brilliant boom. Like, yeah, but also just that's just a fantastic riff on a the wicked sort of rage. DX yeah, totally. type music. It's so good,
2: and I think as well, it's it's all about the presentation of it mm-hmm. because Kashida. You can tell that they would think have already paid him to be a star because he's been given the big dramatic entrance. Yeah. Damian Priest is someone that clearly yes, think is going to be Damien a star Pro- because he's been given the big dramatic entrance. Everyone else has just got, here is some music. Yeah. And it's some and it's the
3: most generic music. Keith Lee's new music's quite good. Which he did himself. Which he did himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the thing, unless you can make your own music yeah. now, you're kind of lumped with whatever they type into audio networks. Like yeah. generic <laughs> cowboy. <laughs>
2: Uh, Shire back again. Who says? Uh, would you guys ever consider making a behind-the-scenes video of a day in Rest Talk for eight hundred thousand subscribers? Love the consistency. It's not going to be that interesting. You would be bored. Bored. AF. Absolutely. It's six really... people sat in a room with headphones on, not talking to each yeah, other. Yeah. It's. It's not. I mean, it's fun working here. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And I love making these videos, and I love hanging out with, like, essentially my best friends on a daily basis. Mm. But I don't know if that's a fun thing to watch, because uh, it is yeah. us just doing a lot of work.
3: Yeah, I think that's the thing, is, like, you see the most of the chat that we have in a day happens on screen. And it's so, and it's inane. Yeah, <laughs> and it's inane, yeah. So, like, I, I think you already see the majority of us talking to each other. I don't you, think you, wouldn't, you, need... you wouldn't glean any more information from watching us behind the scenes.
2: And I don't think you need to see us standing in front of a green screen fluffing a line, moving the prompter back up, standing yeah. back in line, and then doing it again. Because we're recording things Swearing on our own. Swearing at the prompter. Swearing at the prompter. Come on, the drilling started. Like, you know, I'll go back to the office, and our editor will say, you've sent me the wrong rushes. And we're like, oops, okay, oh, here's no. the new one. It's not. I don't think it's that interesting to watch. Uh, Reese says, Hello, lovely boys, having a lovely time. Except for you, Randy. Get back in your lovely non-corner and think about what you did. Um, a very simple question other than Goldberg feels bad about having a dud match boo bloody who what was the point of Goldberg versus Ziggler because as far as I can tell the only thing it achieved was to once again make the current roster feel inferior to the Legends how can we still be invested in them when someone who was presented as being on the same level as the WWE Champion two months ago gets squashed in less than two minutes by someone who won't be seen again I don't know maybe I'm just disappointed at needing to vent since I thought they'd actually start using Legends to get over current stars with the Friends attack, or the Fiends attack rather, on Mick Foley and Kurt Angle or pinning uh, for someone like Randy Orton's ledger killing gimmick just wanted to get your opinion I guess kind regards Reese.
3: well using Mick Foley and Kurt Angle to put over the fiend isn't saying much no like and the king like yeah, they're all say. so injured or old that An- they can't Angle wrestle. They're, not allowed, they're not really allowed to wrestle anymore Angle losing
2: at Wrestlemania did nothing for Baron Corbin
3: well I- Angle
2: shouldn't be wrestling <laughs> no,
3: look at him like the poor man poor man poor incredibly talented man yeah. who can't really be as talented as he was anymore and but really, like yeah I, I think and the thing is yeah the Goldberg I have no idea what's going on with Dolph Ziggler I don't understand uh, I didn't understand the booking of the Goldberg thing because it was he was feuding with The Miz to then have a rumoured was... match with Shawn Michaels to then eventually have a match with Goldberg yeah and like I said in my news about that, it's it's the Rube Goldberg method of booking. It's yeah. a machine that makes no sense and takes a really long route to get to where it needs to go. It, it just... I don't understand. Well, the, the story goes... Uh, that Paul Heyman loves Goldberg Mm -hmm. and he wants to treat Goldberg
2: the same way that Bruno Sammartino was treated at the end of his career, which is that he was in the New York area, the New York Territory, and he'd do one or two shows a year, and he'd come back and it's like, oh my god, Bruno's back I've got to go see these matches It's the old John Wayne character coming in for one last gunfight
3: I absolutely, I find
2: that So that's that's the position Goldberg is in now, he's just going to come in and do two shows a year and he's just going to be treated like this larger than life, mythical creature that's like, oh my god, I can't believe he's back again. But to
3: take on freaking Dolph Ziggler. Well, the reason
2: why he took on Dolph apparently, and I love this, this was from Tom Collihue, I think, on, um, from uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch, who said that it's because, um, well, he essentially said, did you see Undertaker take that jackhammer? Dolph will take that really well. And that's essentially what it's like, Dolph can take the spear and he can take the jackhammer and make Goldberg look amazing. So you put them in there with Dolph.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing It's like, Dolph is very good, but he has no character. He's got no heat. He's got no wins. He's got no credibility in the ring with anyone at the moment because you don't believe that Dolph Ziggler will win the match having Goldberg come out and squash him, he wasn't even annoying enough to be squashed by Goldberg. Like, yeah. kicking Shawn Michaels, I'm sorry, it's not enough to it's... make me go like, oh, he needs a Goldberging. Like, uh, absolutely, I, no, I, I agree. Build someone up to be Goldberged. Like, yeah. have them fe- like call out Goldberg. Like, you can't just offhand mention him in a, in a three-way. I'm already slagging off The Miz <laughs> and Shawn Michaels, so I might as well chuck Goldberg in the mix because he's not turning up. Oh, well, here he is. Oh, oh. I've been spitting. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Uh, Krenia
2: says, Hello, guys. Uh, just saw there weren't enough mailbag questions, so I thought I'd add one in. <laughs> Do you think commentary could actually be the thing to keep mainstream viewers attached to a product? When I was watching the G1 with my cynical, sarcastic girlfriend, and she kept making her usual comments, for example, why would a Japanese Alicia Silverstone, which is Tanahashi, work over that guy Osprey's leg uh, when he's got his shoulders all taped up? It was like Kevin Kelly was answering her very question as soon as she asked it. Because after a while, that ma- um because in that case, Tanahashi wants to get Osprey off his base, so he can't hit his high-flying maneuvers anymore. After a while, that actually got her into the match, and she really enjoyed the rest of the show. Do you think AEW or WWE should put on commentary like that to keep viewers invested, or is it not fitting of these promotions?
3: I think they do it. I think they already do. They tell the
2: story through commentary. They yeah. tell the
3: story. I think NXT uh, is very. Like, great N- at it. Maura and Nigel are yeah. incredible at making sense of a match. Like, Nigel goes out of his way to cover a botch. And not just in the Michael Cole, I don't think he got all of that way. There was a much better, like, Nigel will tell a story or, like, come up with something that makes sense of it. Like, in the Killian Dane bit with Matt Riddle, he was like, oh, I think he slipped off his back because of, like... you know, they're sweaty. Yeah, because they're they're sweaty. But he was like, that still looked painful. And, you know, it did look painful. But even just referencing that it, it was a botch, something happened, like trying to make sense of it and then just going, that still looked awful. Yeah. That's fine. Like, it did look awful. That was the bit in the match that made me go, oh, (laughs) like, because it looked really
2: sore. Absolutely. I I think there is a place for in WWE, but... And, and AEW of course Taddeo um, Cooperman says is AEW the best thing that has happened to WWE in a long time also what do you think about Orange Cassidy signing with AEW how will his gimmick hold up on TV over time well the first answer or well, the first question is absolutely it is yeah competition's brought out the best yeah, in them yeah, yeah. Um, I also think declining ratings has been the best thing for WWE in a long time because they've, Vince has been like oh my god uh, Heyman Heyman come in you yeah know, it, was,
3: just, it was I think it was the, cor- the correct collusion of yeah. ratings falling and then logistics competition yeah. starting up that obviously woke Vince from whatever f- Fugu state he's, bl- like, he's been in some sort of funk for <laughs> ages and he's gone oh he's been in a Terry funk
2: um, as to the question of Orange Cassidy signing with AEW it's an interesting one because I'm such a mark for Orange Cassidy yeah it's I mean, to be honest, I'm in agreement with Dave Meltzer here. I think it's a great signing, mm-hmm. but it almost doesn't feel like it's the right time to be doing it. You almost want to establish the TV now before you bring in something like an Orange Cassidy. And how is the Cassidy gimmick going to, you know,
3: work week yep. to
2: week on a TV product? But does
3: it, he, I don't necessarily think he'll be week to week. I, I just I, I yeah. think they've got plenty of other talent that will be on every single week, and then they will have jape matches on the f- opening of each show but here's what I would say about Orange Cassidy
2: he's so gifable. he yep. has got shareable content yeah and and, that- and when you've got something who is shareable content and you put that on social media and people watch it it's like oh my god this is hilarious I want to see more of this it's mm. you know it's the dick suplex yeah it's people watch that and be like I want to hear more about this Joey Ryan guy yeah so it's the sort of thing that people watch and be like, I want to see more of this. I'm going to tune into AEW so I can see
3: it. Well, that's, I think that's the thing. is like Deploying him sparingly and not having him use the exact same bit of the gimmick over and over again. Because there's so much stuff that he does with such a simple gimmick of, I'm basically going to keep my hands in my pockets the whole time. Yeah. Just eke that out over time. Oh, yeah. Like Once a month we see him. Don't have him on every week. Absolutely. it yeah. will run its course very yeah. quickly.
2: And let's be honest. Once he gets a match with MJF... We're all gonna be massively into it because yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be amazing. Uh, that guy who wants to support says, Greetings, do you think we'll ever see The Rock in a match again, or is he done? And not like he's had a match with Roman, but a real match. And if he does have one match, who should it be uh, to retire him? I think we're d think we're done seeing The Rock. I the, the, I, the, the
3: WWE stu- simply don't have enough money for The Rock. Now.
2: I just don't think the studios are gonna sign it off. Like he you know, he had that one match, the the WrestleMania match with John Cena. And he got himself injured, and it delayed the making of the, the Hercules movie that he did. Mm. That cost the studio a lot of money. Whenever The Rock signs on for a movie now, he has a clause in contract that says, you cannot do any wrestling because we can't risk you being injured. And he's got thousands upon thousands of products that he's working on. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see him in the ring again.
3: Yeah, no, unless he, unless he takes a year off from filming. That's like, it. If yeah. he takes a year off from filming, he might appear, WWE might be able to sway him to be like, do you want to just do some training yeah. and then come back for one thing?
2: Uh, Connor Kiran says, "When will your new logo tees be on sale? I'd like to buy two of each color. Give me what I want." Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, Ollie's not here to answer that question, but soon, I believe, is the answer. Uh, Scott Aguilar says, "I was just listening to the WrestleMania 30 ramble on my commute home. That's one of our Patreon podcasts, uh, when we WrestleRamble Extra, where we review old pay-per-views. Um, and The Undertaker Lesnar made me think of something. I started watching wrestling at the age of ten in 1994, I caught up the prior ten years through rented VHS tapes. What even are those? After his first couple of years, that." That's him saying I know what they are, I still collect VHS tapes. After his first couple of years in WWF, I could not stand watching The Undertaker. I just felt that he was boring, and the finishes were extremely slow and predictable. Sit up, chokeslam, tombstone, one, two, three. The product as a whole was boring in retrospect, but taken matches were nap worthy to me. The ultimate bad example of this was the atrocious match with Sid, where he won the title at WrestleMania, um, which is no doubt a knock on Sid as well. The following year, as the adagio began, I saw my first live event in Boston. 13 year old me was screaming from the nosebleeds, Boring, you suck, during his entrance. Even as he evolved into the American Badass and beyond, he lost me, no matter how over he was with everyone else. I could not stand him. I hated the streak. I hated people talking about the streak. I just wanted it to go away. Perhaps it was my uh, wishful thinking, but I said to my wife, the streak streak was ending against Lesnar, and when it did, 29-year-old me was still screaming at my TV, yes, you suck. (laughs) Sorry for the diatribe. Now for the actual question. Do either of you have someone who is over like Rover and revered by the world, but just can't win you over even by most measures they should? This is quite similar to a question we had last week of unpopular wrestling opinions, and the answer for me is Randy Orton. Oh,
3: I don't like Randy Orton.
2: I've never been massively invested in Randy Orton matches. I
3: mean, he's a handsome lad with cool tattoos. He certainly is. And wicked music. And a cool finisher. And a cool finisher, and his matches are boring. Oh, yeah. Oh, super boring. I mean, let's be honest, that match he had with Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania
2: wasn't bad because of the projections. Yeah. That just added to how bad the match already yeah. was. Here it we was go. a. Here's,
3: bo- here's one Jeff Hardy. Do you know what? You and Oli Davis, you and Oli Davis, Davis are yeah. all on the anti-Jeff like train. Jeff Hardy, I'm oh, Jeff Hardy, Mark. I loved Jeff Hardy back in. Like, I loved Jeff Hardy years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Like when they were doing all the stuff with the Dudleys and Edge and Christian, fab. I think that goodwill's carried and over that, <laughs> for me. That was the end of. Yeah. That was the end of it because he's still doing that stuff and it looks sore and is slower and is less interesting now.
2: Uh, And I'm going to say another one as well, which uh, has given me a lot of heat previously on this channel. Go on. Matt Hardy. Yeah. Particularly the broken stuff. Really? I just thought it was fine.
3: Like, I thought it was funny at first, but I thought the Woken stuff in particular in WWE was garbage. I prefer the, bro- yeah, I preferred the broken stuff. I prefer all the broken stuff around the wrestling bit of it. And then the wrestling bit of it, he's got a couple of fun spots. And then it's just... So it's a Matt Hardy match. It's more Matt and Hardy. I'm, and
2: I've seen thousands upon thousands of Matt Hardy matches. And I don't think I've ever seen a Matt Hardy match where I'm like, what an amazing match that was. Mm, bless you, Matt. Uh, Chris Gardner says hi guys just listen to the Smackdown review happy birthday Pete and what you think about seeing Buddy Murphy and Roman become a tag team for a while it would elevate Buddy and would be a good exercise to not have Roman in the WWE Universal title picture for a bit longer Vince would actually care about it because Roman is a part of it
3: I'm not massively into I that. I don't idea. want it to happen. No, Buddy's fun on his own. He's on right his own as a single star.
2: I think they could probably do a tag match: Roman and Buddy versus Brian and Rowan. So, but I don't want to see them have a long run as a tag team. Yeah.
3: So, Buddy Murphy got a win over Daniel Bryan this Certainly week. Certainly he did. Right. So that's really cool and that, like, that's elevation enough and then you can just drop him out of that in because like Roman can't just go around hoovering up people from 205 Live because like, he, he's already had the bit with Cedric. Yeah. So is this just his thing now? He just hoovers up cruiserweights.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, cool, well you're now part of my story. Yeah. Orbit around me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do, get, get no value out of this. Alex Kirkman says, WrestleMania 36, Prince
2: Charles the- Cinema, WrestleMania on the big screen, thoughts? I think it's difficult because I don't think the Prince Charles have a license to show live sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know
3: if that's possible what about sports entertainment.
2: Oh, that's different, isn't oh, it? It's they, different. Oh, I'll ask the Prince Charles and see what yeah. they say. Um, but I think that would be a lot of fun.
3: I'd really love to do
2: a live watch along would of any. love It'd that. It'd be really fun. Absolutely, I would. Uh, Flev Doran says, Hello, WrestleTalk crew. Royal Quest is upon us and I can't wait for it. I'll be attending my first major wrestling event. And secondly, over... Um, and second only after a WWE house show back in 2011. What is your most anticipated match? And why is it Okada versus Suzuki? Which I'm very much looking forward <laughs> oh, to. That and yeah. um, Zach versus Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, mate. Uh, also, I hope I can meet you guys right before the show. Uh, whenever, as it will be my first international trip. And it will make it a lot, more, lot less stressful and a lot more fun. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Well... We are going to be doing a SWAF Nation meter before the show because there is a, uh, a bar which has got retro consoles. There's got Mega Drives and SNESs and all that sort of stuff plugged in. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to there. It
3: is literally a minute from the venue.
2: You could throw a stone and you'll hit it. So we're going to go there for like, you know, probably maybe four hours before the show. We're going to have a SWAF nation meetup. Everyone can get a drink. Everyone can meet each other. Everyone get to know each other. And I we can beat
3: all... you all at Micro Machines. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or Mario Kart and we'll, we'll just have a proper little laugh. No, Micro
3: Machines is the new game.
2: Is that is it your new thing? playing fame? on Monday. What, about bloody time people are into <laughs> Micro Machines. <laughs> Good we, Lord. We played it
3: for hours on Monday.
2: Oh my God. Which which version? The original or 96? Uh,
3: the SNES one. So I think oh, it was, oh, that was 94. Oh, uh, well, it would
2: be the original one, which was 95, then it was 96, and then the 97. Maybe it was 96, then. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love me some Micro so Machines. Good. So An good.
3: amazing game. But anyway, yeah, we're going to be there. So, so
2: yeah, down. absolutely. So we'll, we'll put up uh, details more about that in in you know in the weeks to come, because we're actually quite close to World War to come. come. In the weeks to come, exactly. Oh God, it's next weekend, it's isn't next it? It's next weekend. But I'd hell, in which case, next week we're going to be posting up details about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, David Sydney says, So I'm thinking, if Dunbeat Stream for the North American title then faces uh, and then Strong Face is done for the title. We could get full circle from the Strong originally turning on Dunn to join the UE. Strong wins the title with interference. Then have all of the UE draped in gold. Uh, so Dunn brings British Strong style in, and we do British Strong style versus Undisputed Era inside of War oh,
3: Games. Oh boy, howdy! I love that.
2: While I do like that, we have already done Undisputed Era versus British Strong style. Yeah, but not in the same way. Not, not in, in, war games, I suppose. Uh, not
3: in, not f- like for, like who would British Strong Style choose as the fourth as a well? regal? Yeah. oh, mate.
2: Can you imagine if it was Regal? That you see now, you've turned me. Oh. Now you've absolutely turned me onto this idea. Yeah. You do undisputed era versus British Strong Style with William Regal. Yeah. Chilly Willie Reggs. Oh. oh. Now we're talking. You've been very bad, boy. <laughs> I'm going to bloody well beat you up. Here's a kendo stick. (laughs) And some brass Nux. Nux, 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 Nux for all of (laughs) you. Ryan B. Bad says, do you think Fiend will be the next guy The Undertaker faces, perhaps even at Survivor Series or Mania, and that should be The Undertaker's last match? I think it would be the perfect uh, time because Survivor Series has been a bigger push to retire Roman, uh, you know, to retire the Roman uh, Undertaker. And we've had this discussion time and time again. I don't know if we're ever going to see The Undertaker's last match. And even if it is The Undertaker's last match, in storyline, it won't be, yeah, because there's still ten more years of Saudi shows. Exactly, and he'll always be on
3: the Saudi shows. Also, I don't want to see Undertaker versus the Fiend. I don't it's really a, either. Like, there's a lot of entrance. Yes, yeah, a lot of entrance. And
2: I, I, I mean, they've got spooky gimmicks. So I don't know. I, I, one of my favorite things about the Fiends, from wrestling fans meshing in, is everyone's single idea is put him up against other spooky people. Yeah, and it's, and I, I just feel like that's a really. It's not the way I'd want to go. So
3: I like, I really enjoy The Fiend. I wasn't sold on his entrance. <gasps> Unpopular wrestling opinion. I mean, really, ah! it is. What? I don't think he should have an entrance. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I, mean, I I'm almost, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it fits a character like that. <sighs> I, I think coming out and having a wrestling match doesn't work. I think he should have been booked in for a match with Finn Balor. Absolutely, you promo the hell out of this match happening. Somebody else comes out to the ring to have their match. Mid match, the fiend just drags Finn Balor by the jaw from the back down to the ring, chucks him in, and starts having his match. Because the, why would the fiend be like, "Yes, I I will arrive in time for my match"? Am I segment eight? My I, I when am I on? Am I after Lacey Evans or am I? Oh, I'm okay, brilliant. It's Excellent. catering open. <laughs> Fabulous, wonderful, darling. I'll just lift this mask up. Ah. Put it into my mouth hole, uh, but like I would, I just don't think he should be like booked like a wrestler. I think he should be working through all of Bray Wyatt's failures, like Finn Balor, Randy Orton, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but just by coming out and beating them up, and then the match is booked by WWE, and he he obliges in having the match, but on his own terms. Yeah, having the big long spooky entrance is a great spectacle and really like an obvious part of wrestling to do, but for the character feels a bit stupid. Strongly
2: disagree. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, David Sidney said, if it's true that Bray Wyatt has pretty much creative control over The Fiend and it's his idea, then isn't this proof that the wrestlers should be given more creative freedom? Even though The Fiend is amazing, it's a shame nobody else gets to. Uh, seems to get that freedom. Can you imagine others creatively um, would be allowed to flourish? WWE would ama- be amazing all the time. Well, Daniel Bryan's allowed to. like The whole new Daniel Bryan character is all his design. Mm-hmm. I think he does all the promo work for it as well. But yeah, I mean, w- wrestlers should be given more creativity. Yeah. yeah.
3: But I think I, but there are certain there are certain people who are much more talented in that field so like not every wrestler should be given creative freedom so it makes sense that they have to be sparing and they have to choose people who have been proven to already be talented at that like Bray Wyatt has shown time and time again that he can take something and spin it into gold yeah as has Daniel Bryan yeah so yeah let's yeah, completely let's, run with what they and also these are these two ideas are wacky as balls like daniel bryan going, i'm gonna become an eco warrior vegan yeah like and it's a heel and it's a heel genius yeah bray wyatt firefly funhouse the fiend genius so look if, if someone comes to the table and goes this is my idea for my character that's great if they just go i'm a superhero like <laughs> yeah. we've got hundreds of those yeah like we've got thousands of those like And let's not forget it's a strong wrestling gimmick, but it is just a wrestling gimmick. Bray Wyatt, the
2: original version of Bray Wyatt, was also of his creation. Like Mm. he has clearly got a mind for creating characters. On that same note, Alexa Bliss with the coffee cup is clearly her own creative decision, and it sucks. Mm. So it's not going to work all the time. Hannibal says, Since everyone wants CM Punk back in wrestling, what do you guys think of AEW bringing him in as a commentator? He had a mini-run in WWE commentating, and it gets him on AEW TV, although he's not wrestling. And who knows? Maybe you'll get a part-time wrestling bug if he's around it. Let me know what you guys think. Mm, what was it again? Uh, do you think CM Punk is a commentator for AEW? Uh... I think it's a good idea, but they've already they've got like a thousand commentators now because Tony Schiavone's coming in. Yeah. You've got Marvez, you've, you've got Jim Ross, you've got Excalibur, Golden Boy's looking to come back as well. It
3: is probably your only way to bridge the gap with Punk, because I, I think he doesn't have very much interest in wrestling
1: at all. Well,
3: the very interesting notes uh, in The Observer this week is that because
2: of the way that Cody and the Bucks have handled them chatting with CM Punk, you know, on Twitter, it's really soured their relationship. And now him going to AEW seems completely off the table, which has now opened the door for him to go back to WWE. And apparently his agent has approached FS1 about him hosting the WWE show that they want to do where they sort of like recap all the stories. Wow. So we may even see CM Punk WWE return. Michael says, Chop of the morning to all. What do you think Ronda Rousey will do when she returns? Personally, I think that the SmackDown Women's Championship is currently being mishandled. Yeah, is that true? Because uh, they're just going to give it to Ronda when she comes back. Oh, right. You're saying because they're going to give it to Ronda. I mean, I think it's just being mishandled currently. Uh, thank you guys for what you do. I've been watching you guys since before. Luke was full-time, and this is my first time at reaching out to you. Um, I think we'll see her as number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, that's when we're next to you. Just hear that. Du, 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 du. I don't give a
1: damn about my reputation.
2: Crowd gums unglued. It's the first and time we've seen Ronda since. Then right? you get a
3: huge WrestleMania match.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Not, she doesn't have to win it. She doesn't have to win the Rumble, but
3: you have something set up in that match to set up a big WrestleMania match. I think she wins the Rumble. I think that's a great way to redeploy Ronda Rousey. She feels like the winner. Like you can put somebody else over by having them in first and having them like run all the way through. Who's like a younger talent coming up, like. I think that would be great. Yeah. Um, Austin
2: Dussy says, Am I the only one who wants to see Drake and R-Truth feud, uh, or the feud to end, then find common ground and become tag team champions? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if you come, I think they're going to form a tag team to beat, well, not a form a tag team, but they're going to form an alliance so they can get the 24-7 title off of Elias. Yeah. And, uh, and Elias, oh, But <laughs> I don't want to see them become tag champs. I don't want to see them win the titles because like, look at the beating. It mm. was fun for a week and then they won the belts and i was like oh, i'm sick of this act well
3: re- but the thing is you devalue the tag team the tag team championships are struggling as it is to seem legitimate you don't put it on our truth and uh, Drake, I've forgotten his name. In the, in, the, in 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 the saying what was going to happen, I'd yeah. forgotten his name. That's how into <laughs> the idea I am.
2: Robert Ray says, hi guys, so I was thinking who there is in wrestling careers who've never had a heel face turn. The only one I can think of is Ray Mysterio. I never watched WCW, so I don't know if Ray was a heel there. He very much was when he took his mask off. Uh, since 2002, he's always been a face in WWE. So my question is, um, do you have one person to never turn heel or face? Who would it be? He then goes to say it should be Kevin Owens. Um, for me it's Jeff Hardy Turning Jeff Hardy heel in TNA Was the biggest error they ever made mm. I mean I say the biggest It was one of the big errors they made I don't think he's someone You can turn heel at this point Becky Lynch
3: Becky Lynch is another one Absolutely Becky Lynch problem is Now people just think That's more badass Like yeah. She'd be very hard to turn Properly heel now Because what 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 is she possibly going to say That she's not already been Saying on Twitter to people Yeah That like Is going to make her seem like I'm a bad guy Like, Unless she goes yeah. corporate
2: Oh, yeah. Do corporate... Corporate, corporate Becky. Corporate, Li- corporate, Li- Becky. Corporate,
3: corporate Becky is probably the only heel turn you could do for Becky Lynch.
2: Yeah. Me? And don't do it like Austin's heel turn in 2001, where mm. you killed the business. Uh, Green Bastard says, uh, Sup, fellas. I was wondering if we can get a YouTube video of A Day in Life of Ollie Davis. Uh, we know that he's on his way to work and some masked stranger tries to steal his wallets, but I want to see what happens after that. Like when he gets to The Office, Reviews Raw, gets prepared for his YouTube review. The podcast sees Randy's ugly mug for the first time, plots how to punch, bake- uh, how to punch Blake Ham in in the face, thanks to green bastards from parts unknown, Canada. It's very much the same as we had earlier. It's not that interesting. No. In fact, actually, it's, it's less interesting. O- Ollie. I was going to say, Ollie's days are even less interesting than ours. His is all well, business, business, business. It's just it's <laughs> taking supplements, doing <laughs> phone calls, and then talking about the supplements that he's taken. Yeah. Goes to the gym. And then goes to the gym for a bit. Uh, Noah says, uh, Hey guys, last week I attended my first ever indie show and I went with a friend to NEW Prison Break where, um, uh, where Moxley unmasked Pentagon to help win the main event. I had a blast at the event and encouraged any wrestling fan to go to an indie show if you haven't yet. Uh, it was also really encouraging to see Jon Moxley find his love professional wrestling again. With that said, my question is, what current WWE wrestler is in most need of a return or debut in the indie scene to reinvigorate their career?
3: Ooh who is that person?
2: Dolph Ziggler is the answer I always go with. Dolph. Dolph would be a way to completely re- like he can go and completely reinvent himself on the on the cuz he could just go out and have great matches. No one's like, "Oh my god, Dolph's amazing again."
3: Yeah, that's true. He's been so hampered by WWE's booking of him. Yeah. He's he's I think Dolph's great. Like he's a fantastic talker, a fantastic worker, and he just keeps get getting given Crap, crap, exactly, and he's been given crap for the like the twenty years that he's been doing it in WWE. But clearly, that's like that's his. That's how they view him. Like the thing is, you should never do a job. (laughs) Clearly, in in WWE, just never do a job for somebody like because you get tarred with the brush of you're brilliant. You're brilliant at jobbing out to people. You're very good at selling. You're really good at taking a jackhammer, mate. Yeah, I would have said Zack Ryder as well, but I think that ship's probably sailed. Yeah. Yeah, ridden off into the sunset.
2: Marcel says, "We've actually we might get to the end of this mailbag if we try because I've, I've, we've got a few left to go." Um, Marcel Jura says, "Hey guys, it's the Swabian pasta guy here. It's been a while since I last wrote to the mailbag, but I found myself in a very cool position. And I'd love to hear your opinions on it. After I released my book on wrestling origins, cheap plug, which is supposed to be on this set, but it's actually currently on my desk in the office, uh, I've managed to land a gig with a big German wrestling promotion as an editor to create and edit hype clips for some of their matches. Nice. Now, my question for you is." What are your favorite hype clip or promos for matches? And what would you say is the best ratio when it comes to interviews versus in-ring footage? Any other advice? And how many Walter Chops uh, would be too much for one single clip?
3: And the answer is ne- there's never too many. Yeah, as long as it's like part of a obvious Chop montage.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the two best video packages that I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna I'm not going to mention the obvious ones, like Brian's WrestleMania 30 monster video package and mm. the... Um, Austin, Rock, WrestleMania, X7, which I think are just absolutely masterpieces of work. But um, David Starr versus Jordan Devlin at OTT last year is one of the greatest oh, promo so packages good. I've ever seen in my life. It was absolutely stunning. Mm. And the key to it, I think, as well, it's knowing what your storyline is. Like, if your storyline is so story-driven or so character-driven, then you want to focus on the interviews as well as the in-ring action. But if it is, these two are amazing wrestlers. Yeah. And they're gonna have an amazing wrestling match, then you wanna focus on the in ring stuff
3: and a bit of and a bit of interview. Yeah. So it sort of
2: depends on what your match Ideally, is. Ideally
3: you hope that it's somewhere between the two, like Cole Gargano, uh match number one yeah. for the for the vacant NXT title. That promo package is exceptional. Yeah. With all the Johnny goes to the stadium and he's running around in the stands and stuff. Yeah. Cole's Training with the Undisputed Era. And the other one,
2: so the other one I'm going to pick out because me and I were talking about it recently on our Patreon podcast is uh, Bailey Sasha Banks from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn mm. 2015. An incredible storytelling promo, yeah. which also has brilliant interviews from Bailey and Banks. Yeah, so those would be the ones I would uh, certainly go to look at. Ryan B. Badd says, With NXT now as the official third brand, do you think a superstar shakeup or draft would give WWE a great reason to move a big-name uh, roster guy, maybe Daniel Bryan, to NXT, since when The Undertaker was first drafted to SmackDown back in 2001? Hey, SmackDown had big stars. What was that? The Rock drafted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Maybe I mean, I don't think we're going to get a draft or anything like that. I think it's just, it's not going to be the third brand. It is the third brand, but I don't think even when they do the superstar shakeup. Yeah. Maybe they will. I don't know. I think it's
3: still going to be where developmental guys and gals end and up. And
2: then move up to the the main roster. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I think that's always going to be the case. I'm hoping that the door opens a bit more for some of these main roster guys to go back down. Like they were doing quite recently with Apollo Crews coming down and people returning. Yeah but i'm not necessarily sure if it's going to be uh Undertaker Seth Rollins yeah exactly that lot
2: uh, the American Dadass Jesse Long says Greetings to Luke, Ollie, Laurie, uh, Choppy Choppy Your Pete Pete, Randy, Andy, Nissan Housemate Simon and my old Florida Wrestling pal SoCal Val That piece of crap Blake, ha- uh, Blake Crab And to all the other talkers and stalkers I may have missed If you'll allow my tinfoil hat theory Do you think the apology angles from Becky Lynch And Kevin Owens are a symptom of Vince McMahon Ultra rich one percenter Business owner headspace Is he purposely putting out stories where the rebellious Hero is torn down by the rich business owner To further his own political beliefs As children of the Attitude Era, we grew up where our heroes didn't take any bull S-word from rich bastards. And I'd like to think that in some ways that had a positive effect on us and our future adult selves. It's Vince now trying to raise a generation of lower to middle class fans that will think twice about being... Uh, that won't think twice about being held down by the man. Sorry if this gets a little too political and incoherent. To keep up the consistent, consistent, consistency, you guys are my hashtag podcast goals for a little to no-name podcast like mine, and it's nice to see that uh, you can make a career out of talking about tiny pants play fights. <laughs> That's a very interesting tinfoil hat conspiracy. That is, yeah. I like. I kind of like it as a conspiracy theory as well. I'm not sure I fully buy into it, but I'd like your thinking.
3: I mean, they had plenty of people bowing down to the uh, authority figures in the attitude.
2: But not the heroes, though. Not like, the, the, true, the, the, the true heroes. The like, your true. Austin was always standing up to the man. Yeah, absolutely. Where now is it's the man has apologised for being the man. And now Kevin Owens has apologised because... He wa- he wants to be grateful that he's getting paid.
3: I think the issue is that the McMahons are no longer characters on a TV show only in the eyes of the public. They are now personalities who appear at events, uh, shaking hands and taking pictures and putting out press releases and doing all the business stuff. But they're also on Twitter. Yeah. And there needs to be... A bit of a separation between how ruthless you can be because you also have to be the one to break stories and i think in the age of social media you can't just be the out and out horrible face of a company and always have someone standing up to you being like you're so
0: bad at some point you
3: some point you have to show that even the people in your show are reasonable and will say you know, I'm sorry I'm breaking the rules, I'm sorry I'm doing this, I'm sorry I'm doing that, because you have to restore order to make the rest of the business seem like it works. I don't know. I don't like know, Maybe yeah. Maybe you need to remove the people who are actually this, the actual operating officers of the company from the product, which is a shame because you made them all characters well, yeah, in the
2: 90s. I just wouldn't have your badass baby faces apologizing to McMahon's.
3: Yeah, just maybe don't always do the corporate story angle with the top guys. It's like, always that as well. Just don't do that. Uh Lorenzo says, since new day
2: uses free bird rules, does this mean that both of the main champions are dual champions? Uh, I don't think the free bird rule has been in effect since um Kofi won the title. Yeah. And and Xavier Woods and Biggie are the tag champs. It's not mm-hmm. the it's not Kofi is not a tag champ. And Lastly, we're actually Whoa! finally through the mailbag. We've stayed late at work so we can get through this. Chopper fan number three says Hi, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, Pete, Simon, and Randy. Are the Undisputed Era the greatest ever NXT act, in your opinion?
3: Maybe. DIY. I mean, di- yeah, there Living was DIY. There was DIY. Uh, I love the Undisputed Era. Oh, I was yeah. saying today, watching NXT, I was just. Even just seeing them, all four of them come out to do a promo together and just watching the full entrance, I was like, oh, I love this. It's great. I, I really love this. Like, yeah.
2: But what that means is the mailbag is now empty.
3: Holy hell.
2: Which means we'll have the return of Crap Gimmick Wrestling next
3: bloody week. So glad I could come in for the end just to, uh, <laughs> well, Captain, yeah, that's it. to well, steal the glory from Ollie, who's been answering questions for ages, and I just come in and just be like well, I'll take us over the finish line I was going to say
2: in all fairness Ollie is also the one who is tapping my foot being like we've gone long enough you know <laughs> let's, let's not answer too many questions <laughs> I've been really thinking about that Wednesday Night War title that we've got for the YouTube version of this mm-hmm. it'll be fine on the podcast yeah but apparently YouTube doesn't like the word war no and we're going to be talking Happy about... we didn't
3: call it Wednesday Night Terrorism.
2: Well, oh. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking we're going to be calling it the Wednesday Night War a lot.
3: Yeah.
2: Is that going to become an ongoing issue? Kind of like when yeah. NXT do bloody war games.
3: Yeah, or Hell in a Cell.
2: Or Hell in a Cell. That's another tricky mm. one we have, yeah. When they do bloody war games, it's just like, oh, whoa, whoa. What are you chatting about here? Yeah. It's a fake wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, it's a word. Yeah. It, <laughs> With multiple meanings, like. yeah. Context, mate. Context yeah. is key. YouTube, algorithms don't have time for context, mate. They're just gonna trawl everything and go flag it up for that word. It's because YouTube don't want to employ employees. Mm. They'd rather just. But have- like, what what uh, what are bands doing? Like, you know, what are. Uh, metal bands doing when all their songs are called like you know yeah like Slay have got War Ensemble yeah great um, song BTW yeah like Bullet For My Valentine all of yeah, their yeah, yeah. bullets in the title Was is that it? getting picked up I don't know I Bullet think... Club related things oh yeah I mean that's a very interesting
2: one yeah well you know it's probably a meaningless discussion for a lot of people here it's like couldn't um, give an
3: F mate couldn't uh, care less yeah. stop calling things naughty words people yeah let's just be nice yeah what do you got planned for the weekend NXT Cuddle Puddle <laughs> The cuddle, cuddle. <laughs> uh, for the weekend, I'm going to a wedding in Liverpool. <gasps>
2: oh, beautiful part of the country. <laughs> yes, mate. Tell me more about your trip to Liverpool. Uh,
3: so we're going up tonight, but going back to Warrington and then going to go across to Liverpool. Saturday for engagement drinks. Uh, oh, yes. Belated engagement drinks, obviously, because the wedding is t- on Sunday. Yeah. And then the wedding on Sunday. It is a... Uh, a trifecta of influences. It is an English wedding. Mm-hmm. It is part Argentinian and it mm-hmm. is part Nigerian. Wow! And there are multiple costume changes uh, <laughs> nice. for the people involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I can't wait to see what they do. Wow! Because also I think that like the husband is very low key. Yeah. So I think, but his his wife to be is very extravagant. Nice. So I'm very interested. To I think she'll be very much into like this is the big bold, colourful, Nigerian bit of the wedding. Yeah. This is this bit and he'll just be like, can we just, can we just get this over with? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be involved in this standing in front of people for a long time.
2: And uh, you're, um, are you staying
3: there for the Bank Holiday Monday? Uh Staying most of the Bank Holiday Monday, yeah, and then we'll of back down. Are you going to Liverpool, like, town centre? Or are you going to do any sort of touristy stuff? Don't think so. I think we'll be back over in Warrington seeing family, yeah cetera, So Hmm.
2: Well, yeah, if you can do, mate, it's just—it's a beautiful city. I know, I know. I've yeah. been. I know, I've I know. Been, I know, I know been. You've been. I know you've been. It's just—it's just so good.
3: It's just so. good. <laughs> it's so, it's good. so good. I just like going there a lot. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like
2: when we, when we do go to see family, I'm like, should we just go across to Liverpool? Let's mm. go across to Liverpool for the day. <laughs> Let's go to Liverpool. Yeah. My wife was quite. Like, she when she went there for the first time, she was stunned at the amount of Beatles memorabilia. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, literally everywhere. Like, swimming in it. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And she kept joking the us like. Oh, the Beatles from Liverpool. They keep it very subtle. (laughs) Yeah, they're really, really... Really low-key. Yeah, yeah. 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 Lots of Beatles tours that you can do. Mm. In fact, I feel like they're almost competing. Like, you know, just going to run up to you. like, you can do mine in a yellow submarine. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go in that craft car over there. Mine's yellow.
3: Dressed like Sergeant Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, so that'd be fun. fun. What are you up to?
2: Uh, I'm having a barbecue on Sunday uh, because... It's going to be 30 degrees Mm. here in London. So we're going to try and take advantage of that and the thing i'm most looking forward to is um this is our first opportunity to meet uh your friend of mine dan's new babby
3: mm. oh we oui, baby
2: we oui, baby so very much looking forward to meeting her for the first time mm-hmm. so it was the, it's the the first chance we've actually been able to have dan and alex over so we're very much looking forward to seeing them nice um and then uh my we m- might get to hastings on monday i haven't really decided yet my wife might be going i might be staying sticking around because she's going she's now finished her job so she's going to be, go to hastings for a week and to do some projects and stuff. And just to relax for a week, instead you have a week's holiday, yep. while I'm bloody working. And, um, so yeah, so I might end up spending my bank holiday Monday playing Spider-Man.
3: Ooh. And
2: finally, shuffling finishing it. Yes. Because finishing games is not my forte. No. No, as you've seen with me playing Castlevania.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. But, like, Spider-Man's
2: a game I can What quite, a project. Well, Spider-Man's <laughs> a game I can quite easily finish, because a lot of games now just sort of handhold you to the end. Mm. I just don't have time to do it. So, um, yeah, I might spend a lot of my bank holiday Monday with the the curtains drawn. Trying to finish. Yeah, and then I might try and finish Resident Evil 2 as well, because
3: I haven't finished that one either. Oh, my God.
2: I don't know where people get time to play these sort of games. You've got to get a Switch.
3: I do need to get a Switch. You play on the train. Yeah, that is very true. You've got a lot of train time. And that will stop me just watching
2: countless episodes of Tiny House Nation, which I've got massively into at the moment. (laughs) Get a show filled with too much fluff. Like, yeah. it's, I don't, I can't be asked hearing them talk about their problems about moving tiny. I just want to see you build the damn house. <laughs> <laughs> and I just find myself putting that, pressing that little forward 10 button.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah and it's like, oh. Where is the house?
2: Chat, 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 chat. Oh, we're building again. Ah, Brilliant. fabulous. Fabulous. Talk to me about the building. <laughs> talk to me about the
3: bits you're installing. Netflix has really got into a situation where they have commissioned so many of these niche shows that are like either either like crap competitions in the bake off formula oh yeah like i was watching one called blown away or something the other day and it was glass blowing <laughs> <laughs> and it was like but it was like it was all done from the perspective as if like everyone knows what glass blowing is yeah. it was like this is this is the and they were like using all these different terms as if like you just knew what was happening i was like what can you even make glass i don't
2: understand this country, is it's a wonderful country that we live in, but Bake Off kind of sort of changed TV for a little yeah. while. And where all of a sudden, Bake Off was such a big sleeper hit for the BBC where it became this massive show mm. that every channel was just like bloody hell what other quaint british thing can yeah. we do uh sewing
3: we'll do with the sewing bit what's, yeah, what's the most twee thing we yeah, can find yeah that's it and
2: it was like there was a competition to find the most twee thing yeah. so we've got a sewing show we've got uh watercolors yeah we got um lego building <laughs>
3: the great gingham <laughs> gingham <laughs> fest uh, it's just nonsense. strawberry growing yeah, yeah. any yeah. twee thing that you can imagine the great scone butter off <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, it was just so stupid. But none of them worked. Well, no, because it's not interesting. Like, cakes are good because cakes have drama. Like, the, the, I think there's part of the brilliance of Bake Off is that putting something in the oven and hoping it comes out okay is yeah. part of baking. And it is it's it, you could say it's baked into baking. It's Absolutely.
2: Like... You've never seen a show so that has actually turned op-
3: drama out of people watching an oven. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's the idea that, like, I think even... You, you add pressure to a completely unpressured situation mm-hmm. and things that naturally just go wrong in the course of baking. And like I think any, any cook will tell you that half the time things just go wrong anyway. Then you just turn that up to like, this is the most important moment of your life if this cake comes out perfect. yeah. And suddenly you've got loads of drama. In, in a sewing bee, <laughs> you could just unpick it. You can just, <laughs> oh, whoops, well, no, no, well no, just Back up a couple of steps yeah, it sounds, and try again. It, it, there is no, there's no stakes in that, surely. No, I think they also missed the point as
2: well. That people liked it not just because the baking's got drama and it's fun to watch, mm. but the presenters are good. Yes, and you know you have, you don't just hire random ra- ra- you don't just put Jamie Theakston on the show and p- expect people to enjoy it mm. no you bring in Mel and Sue an established duo who got great chemistry together yeah. who then also had great chemistry with Mary Berry and uh, Paul Hollywood yeah. I think Channel 4 have got lucky that Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxvig work so well yeah. and that they really work with well with Prue that the show still actually and you know perhaps controversially I think it's better than the BBC version mm. I think the Channel 4 version is actually better
3: it is pretty good
2: it's pretty good uh, but a lot of them were just like oh well who we got under contract um, well Theakston's not doing anything Yeah, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll just put Theakston on the show
3: which is yeah I, I think it's just a desperation of like well, a dearth of ideas as well isn't it it's like well we, we'd best do something like really really twee like yeah. how can we televise bridge I don't, <laughs> oh, I don't know
2: but we'll get our boffins on it yeah, that'll exactly. take us something yeah, yeah. out uh, but anyway I think we'll draw this to a close thank you so so much for listening uh, enjoy your weekend enjoy the bank holiday weekend if you're one of our UK listeners we'll be back on Tuesday with the Raw review the Smackdown review the NXT review next week and All Out Predictions which Ooh. will be all three of us will be on that show I think we're doing it Thursday think that's the plan we're i think we're recording either wednesday or thursday okay. um so you might get an episode thursday either way and uh yeah then we're gonna have our all-out headlines on sunday morning and our full all-out review on sunday afternoon ish and you should get it then we haven't quite decided when everything's going out yet but you're going to get it regardless uh thank you so much for listening take care i love you goodbye